welcome to the Living With Long Covid podcast. My name is Julie. I'm a registered nurse in the UK. I went from frontline worker in May 2020 to COVID-19 patient and subsequently I have long COVID. I decided to create this podcast to share my personal lived experience of living with long COVID, the impact this has on your personal and professional life. Disclaimer, the podcast is not a medical podcast. I am not giving medical advice. You would need to consult a medical professional. I intend to explore, discuss and learn together more about long COVID and how long haulers can live well with long COVID over subsequent podcasts. And I hope you will continue to join me. Hi and welcome to today's podcast. I'm lucky to have a guest with me again today. Um, so Nilehan Sanal Hayes uh, was born and raised in Gothenburg in Sweden, uh, did an undergraduate degree in psychology at the University of Groningen uh, in the Netherlands. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, Nilahan did a master's in research methods in psychology at Swansea University. The research was uh, specialised on understanding emotional dysregulation in cannabis users um, and design interventions that were suitable for their needs. Nilahan returned to Sweden after completing the master's and began working in an elementary school, teaching neurodiverse children for three years, then undertook a PhD in developmental psychology at Lancaster University. The PhD investigated understanding of physical object and interactions in adults, uh, 10 to 11 month old infants and six to seven month old infants. During the PhD, Nilahan also taught research method modules at Lancaster University. Four months after finishing the PhD, the pandemic began. Uh, so during that time, Nilahan worked for the Track and Trace to help out and later worked for Public Health England in the education sector in Northwest, managing infections in schools and providing advice on topics concerning COVID-19. Shortly after, uh, started working as an intelligence analyst investigating child, criminal and sexual exploitation in partnership with the NHS, police and three local councils. Currently, Nilahan works as a postdoctoral research fellow at the University of the West of Scotland investigating piercing, uh, people with, uh, piercing in people with long COVID. Um, wow, how amazing is that? So um, welcome, um, Lilan. It's really lovely to have you here today. Massively appreciate it. Um, I'm going to get straight into the questions, if that's okay with you. Yeah, that's okay. It's such an honour to be here. Thank you so much, Julie. No problem. So um, you have had clearly such an interesting career today with a focus on psychology and neuro neurology and neurodiversity. What um, drew you to this area of expertise? It's a good question. Well, I've always had an immense interest in understanding human behavior and its, and its complexities, yeah. uh, from studying human behavior to implementing intervention and examining its outcomes. So I think that's probably where everything sort of started. Yeah. And so... Um, it's it's kind of one of those um, topics I think that are, are really, um, are really broad. Really, um, as you said, there's so many different things. Like one of my sons actually has ADHD, which comes under that sort of neurodiversity. And I think um, unless you understand it, you don't understand it. Do you? The brain is a really complex piece of, of machinery, I suppose. 
would yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I think you know you you are currently part of a, a trial that's investigating pacing um for those of us with long covid um and although obviously there does seem to be some element with the brain um w- without a doubt in that um can you tell me a little bit about uh, a bit more about this research um you know and how how you got sort of into involved if you like yeah so Um, As you probably know better than me, pacing is the only recommended management strategy for people with MSCFS. And MSCFS and long COVID, um, we see several overlaps. So therefore, we thought pacing might work in people with uh, with long COVID. Uh, Particularly, we thought it might work in managing PEMS and fatigue. Um, So however, the problem with the research at the moment is that there are no studies with objective pacing um, and a control group. And um, so that's what we are trying to do with our research at UWS at the moment. We're trying to see how uh, people with long COVID uh, benefit from pacing. Yeah. Uh, and we also have a control group in which we compare this to to see if there's any differences across the groups in terms of uh, their overall well being. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really interesting. And you made a point there, actually, Nilahan, um, that's interesting. Um, about researching in pacing and mentioned ME and CFS. So um, is, there, is there any, you may not be aware, but is there any research for for, for, the, for the, that group, that condition, you know, ME, CFS, that's not new. You know, the, these people have been unwell for such a long time with very limited research and resources. Um, so are you aware of anything that, you know, before what you're doing, really? Yeah, it's... it's uh, it's good that you mentioned that because we are in the process of uh, gathering um, and writing up a scoping review on MSCFS and pacing. Uh, right. So there are a little bit of mixed findings uh, in terms of um, how pacing works with MSCFS. Yeah. Um, and uh, these studies also, they compare pacing with graded exercise therapy and then uh, CBT to see um, how uh, the um, and the CFS population benefit from these interventions. And so it's a little bit of mixed, um, but we are um, almost at the final stages with our scoping review. So once it's up, um, of course, you'll be able to find a link to this on our Twitter page, UWS Long COVID. Um, and this will sort of, um, I think it will summarize it very well, the research that has been done up to date in MSCFS and pacing. That would be really good. And I will um, put that link in the um, show notes um, as well, Nilian, so um, people can access that, which I think will be really good. Because obviously we know, um, you know, just just building on what we was talking about, we know that there is controversy in terms of graded exercise for MECFS. Um, and NICE have recently changed their guidelines um, to, to, you know, instead of promoting it, state that there is evidence that it actually causes more of a hindrance than a help. And I think for me, I did, that's one thing um, quite early on in my long COVID journey, I did have graded exercise and, and you know, people it was new people did weren't aware I'm not putting any anything on anybody particularly but I, it did make me um crash it did make me relapse and it did make me unwell so what was used to try and make me better was actually making me worse if you if you know what I mean so mm-hmm. um 
yes, it would be good to see um, in terms of, of, of that as well, whether graded exercise is something that I think some people are still taking forward, even with the nice guidelines. I don't know if you would agree or, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are. If you've got any, obviously, <laughs> on that path. <clears throat> The thought that I have is just talking to people with long COVID, they seem to um, not have benefited from the intervention at all. Um, yeah. But in the MSCFS literature, uh, you will find it quite uh, surprising that uh, some uh, papers actually suggest that it is far more superior than pacing and CBT. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm, scary. That, yes. that is a bit scary. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, obviously, research continues. Um, do you have any idea of how the research um, that, you, that you're doing and the findings may be implemented to support people with long COVID at this point? Um, of course, if our study uh, on pacing with long COVID uh, people shows a benefit, um, we would like to make this a platform open access and free available for all people with long COVID. Um, so this will be something that people can download. And as you probably, um, I don't know if our listeners already know, but we are conducting this research and it's app-based and it's remote. Um, so it will be something that people with long COVID could benefit from, from their comfortable homes, uh, downloading an app. And if they have an availability for a Fitbit. Um, so yeah, that's what we're hoping to do. Um, and of course, um, we're also hoping to integrate a little bit more of the MSCFS population into this as well. That I, again, I think that's really important and and amazing to be fair. And actually, um one of the key questions I should really have, have asked you is um do you want to explain a little bit about the about the the research that you're undertaking about what the what that actually entails? Of course. Um, so I, I think you're already participating, so you're a little bit familiar yes, with the um, <laughs> methodology. So as you know, we have two groups. One is the treatment group and one is the control group. Yeah. Uh, both groups fill out questionnaires about their well-being because that's the primarily what we are interested in. Um, and the treatment group also wear a Fitbit and yeah. they get live messages about their pacing. Um, so the live messages they get about their pacing is on the times when they go over their threshold. So we calculate an energy threshold based on their average uh, baseline heart rate and their age. So each time they go over this threshold, they get a 50% message, a 75% message, 100% message, which kind of concludes that they've done enough. And then 150 if they still um, go beyond this. Um, so what we're hoping to see is that the pacing group uh, will report um, changes in their well-being over time because mm -hmm. the study as you know is six months long uh, so yeah. we're hoping yeah. that they will report that they're improving in their brain fog uh, in their cognitive aspects of the condition and their um, baseline symptoms and also the frequency and the severity of their crashes compared to the control group that are not taking part in the pacing uh, so that's what we're interested in seeing and um, of course if this if we find out that that is the case uh, this is, of course, something that we would like to extend uh, and develop into an intervention in which the long COVID uh, population can benefit from. And, and, and it is amazing. And, and obviously, um, I, I don't mind saying because it's about me, but I'm in the control group. So I can see what the benefit will be of having that extra support of hang on a minute. You're going to push yourself way too far in a minute because it is 
it, it's a full lifestyle. I've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, changing your lifestyle completely, um, implementing such structure, um, especially if you're not a person that's ever structured their life in that way is really kind of exhausting in itself. You can use your spoons trying to work out how to do it. So I, you know, I, I obviously, um, I think it's a really good piece of research. I think it's important um, for that therapeutic angle. Um, obviously we're hoping medically research continue, well, starts in this country. Um, I'll, I'll openly say that. Um, but I think I think this is a really positive thing, um, and I'm, I'm I'm pleased to be part part of that, even in the control group. So thank you for that. But so um, you've kind of touched on it um, a little bit, but we'd said um, is if there you know if there's potential for positive findings from the research be, being offered um, as a supportive therapeutic treatment to people with long COVID. Um, you, would you be looking at rolling this out for people with um, other long-term conditions? Obviously, we've talked about ME, CFS. Um, there are other conditions this may benefit too, really. I'm thinking of like multiple sclerosis being being one and, you know, um, other things like that. I'm not sure what you, what you think. Yeah, yes, definitely. Um, so although there are a lot of similarities between the long-term conditions, uh, they're not identical, of course. So we need to iron it out, some of the details of the platform uh, for use with uh, other conditions. Um, but um, yeah, I can I can definitely see that. Uh, and uh, I think that's the direction we would like to go. And that's what we're trialing this out with, um, with people with long COVID. And then hopefully it's something that we could then um, adapt to people with uh, MSCFS. And and then we go from there. Yeah, and that sounds really good. And like you said, it's like that app element, that comfort of your own home. You remain, for me as well, sort of in control of, of your own life and how you are planning things out. So, you know, because some things, some days are more important to you than others. You know, some days, you know, that you really must get some washing done because you're going to end up with no underwear left, you know, <laughs> and it has to be a priority. <laughs> but then other days, that priority would be to sit and have a coffee with a friend and have a conversation um and what have you and being uh, uh, you know prompted and aware of of those energy uh reserves then you know i think is 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 really good and, and I, I do feel like that could help be helpful for lots of people so brilliant have you any idea then you've already touched on the fact that obviously it's a six month period but have you any idea when the results um of this research may be available to people yeah so um i think i mentioned at the start that we are undergoing like a systematic review so we're hoping that the systematic review so the scoping review we're trying to do will be available uh, by the end of the year um, so this has, of course, looked at how um, the different um, interventions, the CBT and pacing and um, graded exercise therapy uh, are working with people with MSCFS. And so and it's also looking at um, all the previous studies um, using pacing and how they implemented the management and what they measured. Um, so the original data from our study will be analyzed over the next few months, I think. Yeah. And um, so because we just finished the first group and we're very excited about the results. Uh, but as you know, the people in the control group 
yeah. are now, they are on a waiting list to start the treatment group. So we have a group of people in the control group that are ready to start the uh, experimental group. Yeah. And, but we're hoping that we're going to have some preliminary data by the end of this year. And this will, of course, be uh, disseminated on our social media channels, on our Twitter page and our website. Mm-hmm. And so uh, stay tuned um, and we'll be posting everything on our Twitter page and you'll be able to follow up what we have found. That's great. And again, um, I will I can put those in the the, the show notes um, so people can link in and, and follow those pages as well. Nilla Helm, which I think is um, really um, exciting as well to be able to see sort of that um, almost live feedback um, of what, what's um, what's going on and, and where, where you're at within, within the research. Um, just throwing a question out there to you, if I may. Um, any plans that you're aware of for other uh, long COVID research or anything that might be of beneficial around, you know, obviously what we're talking about today, these long term conditions, MECFS as well. Um, you know, a- any plans you're aware of? We are quite ambitious in that we want to, I think this is a area that we would like to extend our research in because we have recognized how little uh, support there are and um, so we would like to do more research with MSCFS and um, we would like to do some research with long COVID with children yeah, oh, um, yeah. so we do have projects in mind but it all depends on of course funding for these projects and um, yeah. I don't know Julie if you are aware but we've also done a few um, testing on our own initiative so we've had 20 long COVID people come into our labs we tested them on biological measures and the psychological measures and we have also tested 20 MSCFS um, people with MSCFS on these uh, same uh, parameters and then we are looking into um, now gathering data for our 20 control groups so we're hoping um, to then of course this uh, data will be something we will again um, tweet about on our Twitter page we're hoping that this will sort of start off as a pilot study and hopefully we'll be able to receive more funding to extend this and to conduct the same research with a greater um, sample size. So that's what we're hoping to do. But this is, of course, our initiative and something that we did alongside the pacing study that we are still doing. Um, so, yeah, we are trying to do a lot more pilot studies to be able to receive more funding. But, of course, everything is depending on the funding. If we receive funding, yeah. um, we would like to um, do more research within this area. Absolutely. And and it's like you said, I think that's the frustration. I think, um, you know, myself, the, the listeners, the wider general public, we are aware that this funding from the government is 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 apparently available. It's been spoken about in the, the, the figures out there. But, you know, however, for myself and I'm not I'm speaking purely on behalf of myself, here, but we're not seeing that that funding being disseminated enough out there for people like yourself to be able to go forward with some excellent research. Um, you know, we need therapeutic research, we need medical research. Um, and, you know, as I said before, it, it, these these sort of post-viral um, syndromes, conditions, however you want to put it, are not new. Um, you know, we've got people that have lived with things for such a long time. Um, and, you know, we can remain hopeful that if long COVID does one thing, it is raise this up um, at this particular point um, and, you know, supports all of those communities that should have already had 
had this um, available to them some time ago. My fear is that that it doesn't happen as well, because obviously it didn't happen with MECFS. And, and again, we've had, you know, um, things happen in the 1900s with the, the flu pandemic um, and what have you. And, and things haven't, you know, all that time ago. And we're still we're still at this point is frustrating, I suppose. So. Uh, but what you're doing is is brilliant um and please keep going to try and get more funding to do the excellent work that you're doing uh Nilliam, we do appreciate it without a doubt um yeah so do you have any advice um any take-home messages uh for the listeners today anything that might benefit them from your um experience and, and research up to date etc um, I think what I could say is please have patience with us because we, the science and uh, research community, we're trying our best, but everything unfortunately takes time and money. Um, so at some point, gov the government will hoping will need to take a notice of its long-term conditions, which has have uh, which have not enjoyed research resources yeah. um, of the other conditions over the last few decades. Um, so that's, I think I'll, I'll be able to say, just please have patience with us. We are trying our best and we are very keen uh, to do more research in long COVID and MSCFS. Uh, but of course, the as long as there's funding, um, we will be able to do so. And as you know, research does take time from uh, collecting data to yeah. um, uh, writing the papers. Um, and we hope that long COVID uh, will receive um, a lot more funding. Yeah. Um, as you probably are aware, uh, we still have uh, an increasing number of people with long COVID, even at this stage. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that that is obviously the concern as well, isn't it? That these numbers are still increasing um, and we're, we're, we're at this point and I completely agree with you in terms of research and how long it takes. Um, and we do work on evidence based practice. So, and, and I know for many health professionals that I've spoken to, um, researchers, scientists, etc., the frustration is there that the art of the possibility is there you know there's there's lots of things that um indicate um from a medical perspective what's happening from a therapeutic perspective what could be potentially um life-changing and that is the fact of the matter for people like myself um and, and people that listen to this podcast it is life-changing um I'm really glad you mentioned the long COVID children there as well, Nilahan, because I think, um, again, we know that uh, the, you know early in the pandemic it was said it didn't affect children. That was incorrect. That was you know quickly brought well not quick as quickly as it could be, but it was brought to light. There are many children, um, unfortunately, affected by this um, very severely as well. Um, and I know long COVID kids. I you you probably have, have you heard of long COVID kids? They community yeah yeah. So they um, they're doing some excellent um, excellent work themselves. Um, but I think that's it. Um, there are long COVID communities and the MECFS community have really stepped up and, and supported. Um, and, you know, I think that is what's been helpful 
um, in in terms of living with the condition, but having again, like I said, people like yourself um, doing that research and 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 striving to get this funding to do more is is what we really need. So thank you, really appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. Is there anything else that you wanted to add um, or did you want to give the the links um, people can follow you on? And I will put them in the show notes as well. Yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for all the support that we have received with our research. There's been so many people that have come forward to take part and to help out. I think we need each other uh, yes. in, order, in order to move forward. So thank you so, so much. No, definitely. Thank you as well, as I said, without a doubt. So where can people follow them? What, what are those um, what are those um, accounts that they can follow you from? You mentioned Twitter, was it? Yes, yeah, so we have uh, at UWS. So it's just UWS, long COVID. Um, and I think you should be able to type long COVID at UWS and that should come up on Twitter. Brilliant. And you'd said that the research will be available on there, the results, et cetera. Um, and anything else new that you're going to be doing again will be on there. So definitely yeah. worth following. Definitely worth oh, following. Thank you. So thank you ever so much, Nilian. I really appreciate your time today. Um, and I'm sure the listeners will get lots out of this. Um, and you will get some follows on Twitter and maybe maybe some questions coming into your inbox soon, I'm sure. <laughs> thank you very much for being with me today thank you very much it was an honor if you are enjoying the podcast please hit the five star rating and leave a review it helps the podcast to grow and reach more people my aim is to help and support as many people as possible please continue to dm me your lovely messages and any questions you might have i always love to hear from you guys You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And why not join my long-term conditions, health and wellbeing page on Facebook. You can also subscribe to my link tree. I will put all of the links for these and any from today's episode in the show notes. Thank you for listening. And as always, please take care. (music) 